Hey, this episode of the Adventist Millennial Podcast is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. What's the and more? Well, you'll have to go to their website to find out. Thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Good morning, everyone, and rabbit, rabbit. Today is the first of the month, so I just stole all of your luck, and if you've never played that game before, that means you're not a pagan heathen who believes in the superstitious tripe. Uh, so congratulations, but you probably have and you probably are, so ha ha ha, I'll be lucky this month and you won't. Um, and I just googled tripe to make sure I used it right, and I did, and it means nonsense slash rubbish, so there you go. (laughs) Also, it means the first or second stomach of a cow or other ruminant used as food, so there you go. That's your random word for the day. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Well, let's spin the roulette wheel of possibly interesting, possibly (laughs) boring topics and choose... Oh, look, we're talking about Masterpiece Cake Shop and the Supreme Court ruling from last summer. Uh, So if you've already know everything about this, too bad, we're going to review it. If you don't, where have you been all the last year? Um, Okay, second topic. What is God's will for your life? That's the second topic we're going to talk about. So let's just go ahead and get started. Okay, which, by the way, if you don't like the topics I've chosen, or if you have comments or questions on what I talk about, please feel free to email me at adventistmillennial at gmail.com, send me a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any such social media, at Millennial. I welcome any and all comments, including, but not limited to, threats, criticisms, critiques, jokes, anecdotes, um, complaints, any of these things, feel free to email me. I can't guarantee I will answer you. It depends on how nice you are. Okay, well, Masterpiece Cake Shop, let's talk about this. So back in, I think it was 2012, um, there was a baker named Jack Phillips who lives in Colorado, and, uh, he makes custom cakes okay mostly wedding cakes a gay couple came into his cake shop and asked for a cake for their gay wedding and he said i'm sorry per my religious views i don't believe in gay marriage therefore i cannot make you a gay cake for your gay wedding (laughs) he didn't say it that way probably who knows i wasn't there um but ultimately his conservative christian beliefs uh, stopped him from doing that, and they, of course, did not like it, so they sued him. It went up through all the various court systems until it got to the Supreme Court, um, at which point the Supreme Court accepted the case and made a ruling last June. Uh, and this was a a controversy that people talked about between the years of 2011, 2011, I almost said, between 2012, when it happened, and last summer, 2018, so that's like six years, so if you haven't heard of this by now, I don't know where you've been, um, but, uh, so this was a a big case that was either viewed as a free speech case or a religious liberty case, because free speech in the sense that the argument was made that 
because he was an artist who made custom cakes. Um, whatever he put on a cake was his speech, therefore they could not compel him to say something via his cake art that he disagreed with, um, because that was a violation of free speech. However, uh, the gay couple's case was that they, um, wanted to enforce anti-discrimination laws that said he, as a business owner, in order to be in the marketplace, could not discriminate against them and refuse them service based on their identity as a gay couple. Um, so that was kind of their side of the case. You could also look at it as a religious liberty case where if he didn't want to make them the cake because of his religious beliefs, he shouldn't have to because uh, to compel him to do something that violated those beliefs would be a violation of religious liberty, which I think most people tend to lean towards the free speech angle just because it's a little harder to prove that your <laughs> religious beliefs preclude you from making a cake. So yeah, so that's kind of a, a, the summary. This case is of interest to religious people, including Adventists. Whether it's a free speech issue or a religious liberty issue, both of those are, are important to Adventists because of our really specific and spooky beliefs about being compelled at the end times to, like, worship on Sunday and to, you know, not be able to buy and sell and all of this kind of stuff. So, um, the interesting thing to me about this was that I went to this panel uh, about a year ago. This was before the Supreme Court ruling last summer, um, that where they were talking about this Masterpiece Cake Shop case. It was these two, uh, Adventist lawyers, David Cruz and Alan Reinick, I think is how you say his last name. Anyway, they were talking about this case and sort of the Adventist view of it, which was very interesting because they mentioned um, that the Adventist church had considered filing an amicus brief um, for the case, which an amicus brief is organizations or people filing a brief in support of one side or the other to help make their case. Um, so, <laughs> they said that the church ultimately decided not to file an amicus brief, um, and then uh, just a couple months ago, or several weeks ago, I was talking to another person, um, who is an editor for one of our religious liberty magazines. Ah, I forgot the name of the magazine anyway. Um, so I asked her about it too, and she said the committee who's in charge of deciding these law issues, I guess, for the Adventist Church, couldn't agree on whether they wanted to side with Jack Phillips, the cake baker, um, in his free speech, uh, case, or the gay couple as an anti-discrimination case. They couldn't agree, so that's why they decided uh, not to file an amicus brief on behalf of the church, <laughs> which, okay, I thought that was a little bit funny, because I had thought, before I talked to her, I had thought that the church decided not to because they saw it more as a free speech issue than a religious liberty issue, but she said no, it was because they couldn't agree on which side to take, which is a little bit strange to me. Um, okay, so what do you guys think? 
if you know anything about this case, I would be interested to hear your opinions. Do you see it as a free speech issue? Do you see it as a religious liberty issue? And do you think it's odd that our, that the Adventist church couldn't come to an agreement on who they sided with? I mean, like, look, okay, we have various opinions on, on, um, LGBT issues in the church, which I think is tertiary to the core of this case, which is in the marketplace, do you have a right to refuse service to whoever you want to based on either free speech, um, free speech claims, religious liberty claims. Some people even say that we shouldn't have anti-discrimination laws at all. Um, because they served their purpose and don't no longer have a purpose that we shouldn't have the, all the protected classes that we have. Um, on the other hand, some people, uh, Adventists may take the attitude that we need anti-discrimination laws because as an Adventists, we anticipate being discriminated against in the future. Um, and so we want to protect ourselves against that. Can you guess? Surprise of surprises. My attitude is that people should have the most liberty if that means we get discriminated against as Adventists in the future because of lack of or insufficient anti-discrimination laws. You know, that's just what's going to happen. And let's be honest, if we believe we're going to be discriminated against in the end times, why are we going out of our way to try to stop that from happening? I mean, it seems to me, it seems to me it's more important to protect free speech and religious liberty than it is to protect anti-discrimination laws. But that's my own opinion. And most people would disagree. I don't know, maybe not most people, but a lot of people would disagree because that anti-discrimination is so important to people. Anyway, okay, back to the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, it ended up, the Supreme Court ruled on something very specific in the case. They didn't actually say um, whether Jack Phillips had the right to refuse this service in this case or not. They ruled in his favor, but on the grounds that the lower courts, the state courts, had treated him unfairly based on his religious views. So, yeah, it was kind of a religious liberty case, but it was... Um, it was nested within the the actual core issue rather than resolving anything about whether he could have refused service it resolved that the uh that the state courts didn't <laughs> didn't like him cuz he was religious and therefore were unnecessarily mean to him um and that's what they ruled on so so people who had been following this case feel that it has not been resolved and anticipate that these cases will still continue to be brought um, and will probably make it back to the Supreme Court at some point. In fact, since this ruling last summer, <laughs> Jack Phillips has been hit a, with more lawsuits, one being from a transgender person who wanted a blue cake on the outside and a pink cake on the inside for their transition party or vice versa. I can't remember. Anyway, um, and Jack Phillips again was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't do that because it's against my religion. Um, and uh, they sued him again. So this is going to continue happening. Um, and we'll see how it pans out. But I'm interested to know what you guys think, because this is 
the fascinating part about law, of course, is how you interpret it and how you can build your case in a convincing way. Uh, I guess this is why lawyers have the reputation of being like squirmy and slimy because they even the supreme court twists out of making a a broad ruling on free speech or religious liberty by narrowing it down to something like oh well the colorado courts were mean to jack phillips so we're just gonna pinpoint that um it all depends on the interpretation that you take uh so what do you guys think is this um important and which aspect of it is important anti-discrimination religious liberty free speech uh do you think that the ruling that happened was good do you think that uh, it's bad do you think it's unresolved uh should we be concerned as adventists about religious liberty and free speech i think we would all agree that probably yes we should be concerned about it but my question more to the point is is it contradictory for us as religious people, specifically as Adventists, to hold anti-discrimination laws as a higher priority than the freedoms that are protected by the Constitution. Because that's that's the conflict that I see within our own conversations in the church. Um, because because we have a pretty progressive social culture in the United States that values things like anti-discrimination laws and protected classes and all of this kind of thing, it seems to me like a dichotomy where if we hold anti-discrimination as equally important as free speech or religious liberty, those thing, two things can come in conflict in, in a situation like Jack Phillips v. a gay couple. Um, and when when Adventists become the ones who are refused service, uh, <laughs> are we going to have different thoughts? Yeah, So so I guess my question is, do we fear discrimination more than we fear government coercion? In my case, I fear, as I said already, in my case, I fear government coercion more than marketplace discrimination. So I would rather I would rather protect our constitutional freedoms like the ability to exercise our religion freely and the ability to speak freely. I would rather protect that then protect myself as a as an adventist from marketplace discrimination. Does this make sense? Maybe there are some deeper legal minds out there who can speak to this, but of course in the case of Jack Phillips, it's subjective. There's a whole big other argument about whether cake baking in particular is speech or photography is speech or, you know, other types of art are speech. That's a separate conversation, but if you end up falling on the side of yes they are speech um and yes you can compel it then we're in a lot different situation so yeah so that's my opinion i would rather see us protect our constitutional rights rather than um continue expanding anti-discrimination law and i'm a little bit confused as to why um the committee for the adventist church (laughs) I was unable to come to consensus on this. At least that's my understanding of what happened. I got it secondhand, so I could be wrong on this. If anybody else knows more 
detailed information, I would be interested to hear it. Um, or if you have more knowledgeable opinions, I would also be interested to hear them. Um, but those are my thoughts on free speech, religious liberty, masterpiece cake shop, and anti-discrimination laws. Okay, now we are going to transition and talk about what is God's will for your life? Um, this is something that we all have thought about, I'm sure, and have all struggled with. And it's a common question that we ask. How do you know what God's will for your life is? We all know you can't just wander through life aimlessly disregarding what God wants you to be doing um, and then landing yourself in hell because you didn't do the prescribed thing. But the question remains, how, even if you want to know God's will, how do you find out what it is? Because uh, it's not like God comes down from heaven as an angel of light and says, you. I want you to please go and get a job at Subway and work there for 10 years and buy 12 pairs of Yeezys so that you can witness your neighbor who worships Yeezys and would only be reached by someone who it, they can identify with. And then I would like you to go out to dinner with your neighbor across the street and offer them a Bible study on Daniel 2 because they, you know... How do, we f <laughs> how do we find out if this is what God's asking us to do? Um, I've heard various ways in which people uh, go through their lives uh, trying to find God's will. Some people actually have heard voices. <laughs> Some people have just kind of divine different things from reading Bible texts or through prayer. Some people put out the proverbial sheepskin for do. Like, Gideon, is this still a valid method? Um, how should we be sussing out what God wants us to do? Um, or should we just kind of let the wind blow us where it will and assume that that's the Holy Spirit leading us and we just don't really have to do anything. We just kind of have to let it happen. <laughs> I've heard all these various ways that people um, enact what they say or think to be God's will for their life. Or there's also the way that's kind of like, just go for what you want to do, kind of blaze your own path, and if the door closes, that's a sign uh, that you shouldn't do it, and then just do something else. So what's the right thing? But then there's also the question of uh, how detailed is God in his will for our lives, his quote-unquote will for our lives. Some people... I've heard have said that God has a will down to the very, you know, should I eat this donut or this donut? Which one is God's will? Um, should I turn left at the light or turn right? And then some people are like, in the grand scheme, should I be doing ministry or not ministry? You know, there's different minutia of how involved <laughs> in our lives God is or wants to be. Um, and where where is that? Uh, it's hard to know. This is something that's different for everyone, I think, in their opinions. I don't know if it's different uh, in God's opinion. But I guess I would ask, does God actually have things that he wants us to do? Things in our lives that are right and wrong choices according to his will. There are examples of God clearly leading people in the Bible. Um, there are examples of people clearly making bad choices, but does that mean that God prescribes everything that we do or wants to prescribe everything that we do? Um, 
we prescribe things for little children because they don't have the capacity to make those decisions on their own, but hopefully we don't prescribe things for adults who can make those decisions on their own. And so that's the question. How does God see us? Do we continue to be children to him to the point that he must prescribe our lives for the entirety of our lives? Or is there a point when we grow spiritually to be able to make our own decisions that are in line with God's character and in line with what is in our own and everyone else's best interest that he doesn't need to tell us what his will is because um because it will be a good choice because we're mature enough to make that choice now let me back up for a second um a lot of times i've heard the explanation that the reason god has things that he wants us to do or is or is trying to tell us that we should do is because he's trying to fulfill um, the gospel commission through us and therefore he needs us to do these various tasks or whatever. But here's my question. Going back, as our formula dictates to the concept of the great controversy, within the context of the great controversy, is God more concerned about enacting his plan through us than growing us to be able to make our own decisions, which is a higher priority. Does the Great Commission supersede his desire for us to be free? Because if we take the traditional Adventist view that um, in order to reach the world, God wants us to do A, B, and C with our lives, and it's our job to figure out what that A, B, and C is so we can help him accomplish the Great Commission. Or... Is it more important for him to have people who have understood his character and have grown theirs to come in line with that? Um, That whatever they do will inherently be part of the Great Commission because they're in harmony with him. Their, Their mission is one. As the Trinity's mission is one, when we become more like Christ, we just automatically live out the Great Commission. So if that's the case, then then I would be inclined to think that he's not trying to set out step by step what our life should be and that we just have to figure out and use different methods to reveal what God's telling us about what we should be doing. More, we should be understanding how he operates and learning to operate in that same way so that we can make those decisions on our own and be confident that those are good decisions, not the right decisions as prescribed. But this is also very overwhelming because then (laughs) it means that you have to make some decisions. Like, for example, when I was 13 years old and I discovered Neopets for the first time, (laughs) all of you people know Neopets was the best thing ever. Um, (laughs) When I discovered Neopets at 13 years old and I created my Neopet And then I went out into the Neopets world and I was like, okay, now what do I do? I could go buy stuff in the marketplace. I could build a little house for my Neopet. I could feed my Neopet. There's any number of things that I could do. It wasn't a game where you just follow what happens in the game. You just kind of live in the Neopets world and you're not really supposed to do anything necessarily. You just kind of do whatever you want. And that was overwhelming for me at 13 because I was like, what am I supposed to do here in Neopets land? There's nothing prescribed for me to do. Um, so I just 
earned Neo points, of course. But, like, isn't life a little bit more like that rather than, you know, The Legend of Zelda where you have to follow, unlock all the clues and follow the the game through in the right sequence to get to the end. It's more like just a free-for-all. And I think if we understand the great controversy and our responsibility with free will to be able to make choices on our own, our life within God's will becomes a little bit more like Neopets and a little bit less like Zelda. We just have to start doing things. Uh, So what do you guys think? Is this how life works? In my experience, this is how my life has worked. Um, is, Is our only job to grow our character? Is God's will really for us to grow our character? And outside of that, what we do is less important than who we are. So maybe we shouldn't worry so much on a day-to-day basis of whether we're doing God's will. Maybe we should worry more about, are we growing? Are we becoming more like him? Um, That way, the things that we decide to do will be the right decisions. Yes, it is. For me, I think, yes, it is more responsibility because then it puts the weight of decision-making on our shoulders. And I think that we can tend to recoil from that as Adventists who want everything to be like, you know, this is right, this is wrong. Um, everything's very, very uh, structured and very rules-oriented. And that makes it easier because it's less responsibility. But at the same time, I think it's comforting in the sense that if you expect God to tell you every step of your life and you don't know how he's supposed to tell you that, it can get very discouraging thinking like, uh, God, hi, where are you? Uh, and why aren't you telling me what I need to be doing? Uh, why is the, the sheepskin not wet or dry? Just kind of everything is ambiguous and foggy and I don't really know, is this the right thing? Uh, in that sense, it, it's a little bit easier because I'm not feeling like I'm missing what God is trying to tell me. Um, it's just more like, I have the the room and the responsibility to decide, okay, what is the most God-like choice I can make in the sense that if I have the right motives and the right character, um, the decisions that I make will inherently be good ones. Does this make sense to you guys? Hopefully you see the struggle that I've had in my life and that a lot of people have had over how do you figure out what's God's will for your life um, is a little bit misplaced in the context of how we understand the great controversy. If we believe that God's highest priority is for us to have free will, then we have to consider the possibility that he's not trying to tell us what to do every second of our lives. He's trying to give us the skills to make those decisions on our own and to know that those uh, those line up for everyone's best interest because we have learned how to live in harmony with with reality. Okay, so what do you guys think? How do you discover God's will for your life? How do you make decisions? How, how do you make the best decisions that you can? Do you put out a sheepskin? Do you hear a voice? Do you just kind of go for it? 
do you pray and pray and pray and just let the wind blow you? Um, what's your th- thought on how, how or if God directs your life? Let me know what you think. Send me an email at adventsmillennial at gmail.com or message me at SDA Millennial on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And let me know what you guys would like to talk about next week. And I will see you all again soon.